Hey, good morning. You guys can take a seat. It's good to see you this morning. My name is Dylan. Uh, as some of you know, Pastor Scott and Pamela Platt, our secretary, and Chris Bivey, our worship director, and a couple of people from the church, Ray Reeves and Susan Ellingson, are on a trip in Africa right now. Uh, so they are gone. And if you would continue to pray for them on their trip, that would be great. They, they arrived, and they're there serving and, and connecting with the church there in Moyamba, and they are coming back on Wednesday. So, so be praying for them and their week together in Africa. Uh, and I've been looking forward to this day, this Youth Sunday. It's, it's pretty awesome to see these youth uh, serving in different ways. We have some kids helping down in the, in the children's class. Oh, yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Thanks. Yeah. You guys were awesome. Hey, so, so yeah, we had some kids down in the children's classes and nursery. We had some kids uh, helping out on the welcome team, as you saw with their friendly faces, inviting you and joining you to come in. Uh, and that worship team leading us in worship, man, you guys, you guys were awesome. They prepared and they were ready and, and they were happy to serve uh, this morning. So I'm excited about that. And, and I've been working with youth in Albany for the last six or seven years now. I started working with youth with an organization called Young Life. It's an outreach ministry. Uh, and then four or five years ago or so, I came to the church and started working with our middle school and our high school uh, students. Over the last year, I've been working with high school. Uh, and and in the last couple weeks, we've been talking about the king and the kingdom. And, and, and really, I want to focus on our stories today. One of my favorite parts of working with youth is, is their stories, hearing their stories, walking alongside them in their faith as they grow and, and experience struggle in life. But I get to hear their stories. And, and we've been talking about the king and the kingdom. We've been looking in Matthew about how God sent his son Jesus, our king, uh, to restore his kingdom, to fulfill this great love story uh, that God had planned out. I call Jesus God in a bod. That's, that's my way. I like to call Jesus 100% man, 100% God, all at the same time. He came to restore the kingdom. And the more that I grow in, in God's word and learn about him and understand who he is, the more that I see that there's an emphasis on stories, right? So we have the Bible that's this just great big story, uh, with little stories within that we can see. It's God's history. Uh, and then God speaks through our stories. God speaks to other people through our stories. And he is the one uh, that has put it together for us. And he's carrying it out into completion. And every story has an author. Every story has a creator. I'm not a big reader, but when, when you read a story, you know someone had to write it. Uh, and, and God is our perfect author. God is a perfect author. Uh, when, when he created us and, and, and made everything and kind of wrote out our stories and, and gave us this path to follow, uh, he, he did it perfectly. And I know some of you are probably thinking, well, why is the world so cruddy sometimes? Why, if God's this perfect author and creator, why would the world have so, much, so many bad things? Uh, and, and what I think is that every story has its ups and downs. Every story has its highs and its lows. And there's really some complications in, in this story that God has created. And, and it's not anything on God. It, it's us. Because, uh, you know, typically 
uh, an author that writes a book doesn't have his characters, which are us, right, in God's story, ripping the pen from their hand and writing it on their own. Because that's what we tend to do sometimes. We are constantly trying to say, God, I can write this story on my own. Uh, It will be better off if I just take control. And just like a citizen or a servant in a kingdom, uh, we have this choice to either obey or to rebel against God's story. Yeah, we could could say, God, I give you the pen. I, I, I want you to have control of my life. Uh, or we can go the other way and disobey and rebel and say, uh, I, don't, I don't really want any part of it if you're the one writing it. And we, we can often do that sometimes. And, and um, <clears throat> over the last year and a half or so, I have started to learn what it means to be disobeyed. Uh, because I, I'll tell you a little bit about my family. We have two uh, kids, Britta and Bo. But before we had kids, we had two dogs. And one of their names is Cerberus. He was the first addition to our family, this dog. I have a picture of him up here. Uh, on the left there, that's Cerberus. And on the right with, with our daughter, Britta, who's two and a half. And, and Cerberus, on the left there, he was in pretty good shape when we first got him. Right? He, he, he looked good. A healthy dog. And you can't really tell too much on the right, but he has gained probably 10 or 15 pounds Maybe, maybe 20, I don't know, in the last year and a half or so, because he always takes Britta's food. You guys have probably been there before with your kids, carrying the food around, and the dog finds every opportunity to go and take it. And, and we've tried to correct this, and you know, he gets in trouble when he eats her food. Well, when we catch him, we probably only catch him about half the time because he's so big now. Uh, and, and another thing is we're trying to correct Britta in that as well because she thinks it's hilarious. She... Sometimes she's the one that's just giving him the food. And, and we say, Britta, you can't do that because you'll be hungry later. That's, that's your food. Cerberus gets his own food. You have to understand this. And, and sometimes they don't because, well, one, Cerberus is a dog. And all he can think about is, I want food. I want food all the time. That's all he thinks about. And Britta is just this kid who likes to have fun, likes to laugh, uh, is just, just joyful, ball of energy, and she, and she wants to feed him. She wants to laugh about it. And, and what they're both doing is they're saying, I, I want to I do this my way. And, and they don't understand the consequences. One, that Cerberus will get fat and fatter and fatter, <laughs> and Britta will be hungry later in the day because she gave all her food to the dog. And, and they don't see that as they're doing it, as they decide to write this on their own. And it can be frustrating. I'm like, just obey. Just listen. I know what's best for you. And, and so often that is what we do with God. We say, God, thanks for writing this story. Thanks for putting all this together and, and giving me this path. But, but no thanks. I'd like to write things on my own. I'd like to go my own way. And I want to share with you a story here today about Jesus and his obedience to his father. Uh, Because really it comes down to obedience, giving God the pen to our stories. If you want to turn to page 858 in those Bibles in front of you, we will be in Luke chapter 2. I know that we've been looking at Matthew and the king and the kingdom, uh, but I love this passage because it's Jesus when he's in his youth. He's 12 years old, and Scott's gone, so I can just do whatever I want. So we're, we're, we're looking in Luke today. That's, that, that's what's happening. So if you want to follow along, uh, starting in verse 41, uh, we'll read. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. 
And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Now, I'm not very good at math, but I think that they were, they, Jesus had been missing for five days. A, a day's journey, a day's journey back. And then three days searching for him in the city. And then they finally found him in the temple. Uh, and and I, I'm sure some of you parents have been in a situation where you misplace your kid for a second. And it, it, it kind of freaks you out. It was Britta's first week of preschool this week. And I was checking her in up at the computer in the hallway. And, and I was doing it. And I knew she was right behind me right here. And then when I finished, I turned. And she wasn't there. And, and I kind of freaked out, right? You get that gut-wrenching feeling, that heart-dropping feeling, until I looked just a little bit further, and she was right there, and it was fine. Uh, but I, I'm sure that some of you have experienced that, maybe in the grocery store, your kid wanders off, or even at church sometimes, your kid wanders off. It must have been scary for them. But at, when they found him, what was Jesus doing? He was being obedient to his father. He was listening to his word. He was, he was growing uh, in the temple. He was so enthralled with God and, his te- and what he was speaking to him and what he was learning. He was so fixed on his father that I, I think he just really didn't know what was going on, that his parents had left. It, it was like it didn't matter. Either he just didn't know what was going on or he was too busy to even care that, that his parents were leaving. And I think that this is what happens when we encounter God. When we truly encounter God, it should feel like nothing else matters. Uh, When when we have this experience where we hear from him, it, it should be like nothing else matters. When we encounter God, we should be captivated. We should be captivated by him, who he is, and what he has done and continues to do in our lives. And I know it's hard for us to stay focused in the world that we live in today. We have our smartphones and, and our TVs and, and all these things that can distract us. So it's hard to stay focused on one thing. Uh, I can think of some things that are captivating to me in this world. I saw a pretty good football game last Sunday that happened, and the first three quarters weren't that great because it seemed like the game was over within the first five, ten minutes, but then that fourth quarter, that was captivating. I was, I was drawn in to this, this football game when Tom Brady was doing his thing and, and bringing him down the field, and I don't know if the balls were deflated, but <laughs> who knows? Uh, but, but that's something that, that was captivating to me, and I'm sure husbands in this room, you, you can relate with me where, you know, at times I'm watching the Blazers or doing something, and my wife says something to me, and I kind of shake my head, yes, but I really didn't hear a word she said, uh, and she'll tell you that I do that all the time. It, I, I only do it a little bit. It's not that much. Uh, but, but we get captivated on things. We get drawn into things. And I think that this is how it should be when we encounter God. That it's like nothing else matters. 
You know, I saw a big shift in my story in growing up. I'll tell you a little bit about that. When I started being obedient to God and saying, God, you can have my life. You can write my story. And growing up, I went to church and with my parents every once in a while and, and heard the gospel and, and what it was. But I really kind of saw it as some sort of fairy tale. I saw it as this, uh, this thing that I go to church and I become a better person maybe. And, and I didn't really think it was real. And then my freshman year of high school, I, I experienced Jesus in a, in a different way. And I decided, Jesus is real. And I went to a Young Life camp that summer uh, and, and I gave my heart to the Lord and said, God, I, I want to have a relationship with you. But even at that point, I was, I was still holding back the pen to my story. I was still saying, God, I want things to be my way. Maybe every once in a while I would give him that, but, but most of the time it was, no, no, I, I still need control. And then a few years later, I had this experience where I encountered God and it was like nothing else mattered. And he spoke to me and said, uh, Dylan, you've given me your heart, but I, I want you to give me your life. Uh, and, and, now, and then I started giving, giving him more control, more and more. And, and now I still struggle today. And I still you know, want to take that back from him. But overall, I feel like now I, I, I can be obedient. I can listen to God and let him have more control of my story. And there are a couple of high school students here that are going to come up and share a little bit about their stories and their walk in their faith. Brody and Abby, why don't you come on up and take a seat? You're on the hot seat now. <laughs> yeah, so, so this, is, uh, this is Brody Gehrig. Uh, him and his family have been coming to WCC for a few years now, and he's a, he's a freshman at Philomath High School. Uh, we've had him in the youth group for a while, and same with, with Abby the last few years. We've been happy to have the Reedlingers in the, in the church, and she's a sophomore at Sandy M, as she said when she was doing announcements. But I, we're just going to hear a little bit of your story. Uh, you can first just tell us a little background about your story. What got you where you are today, uh, your upbringing, uh, what kind of household you lived in, whatever that is. Give us a little background. Yeah, um, well, I grew up in a Christian home uh, with Christian parents, and they've been teaching me a lot about the Lord ever since I was uh, really little. And um, I went to Northwest Hills Community Church in Corvallis for most of my life until um, in sixth grade, uh, we started coming here to Willamette Community Church. And yeah. I also grew up in a Christian home, uh, you know, raised with certain expectations of taking on your faith and, like, growing up in a church every week. And so, you know, it's interesting to come to different churches and see different lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so I hear you both came from, from Christian homes. You were raised up. And, and like you said, there's kind of an expectation, right? You're, you're listening to your parents. You're obeying them. And it's like, okay, they, they, they believe in this, this Jesus. But could you tell me a, a time in your life uh, that, that you decided that Jesus was real, that you said, I want to make this decision for myself? Is there, is there a time that you can think of that you did that? Yeah. Um, when I was four years old, uh, we were driving uh, down here in Albany uh, to the, like, kind of coming up on the train station um, and turning on, yeah, and we were listening to this song, and it goes, uh, somebody's knocking on your door, and I said, mom, who's knocking on whose door, and um, she said, well, it's Jesus, he's knocking on the door of your heart, and he wants to come in, 
And I said, uh, well, I want, I want Jesus to come in. So right then and there, I accepted the Lord as my personal uh, Savior. And um, so that was really where it started. And then a couple years later at Drift Creek Camp, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we were, so every time at Drift Creek, they have a campfire at night. And we do some worship and um, the speaker that talks. And there at the end of the, the speaking time, we have some time to just kind of worship with each other, different students. And most of the camp had gone back to their cabins, and we were just kind of worshiping the Lord and praying for each other. And it was just a really cool time. Um, when I was seven, I decided that I wanted my church family to know that I loved God and I was baptized. And... Um, but then I redefined my faith last year. Um, I decided that God was something I needed to think about, someone I needed to think about daily. And, you know, he's not just an entity in the sky. He's, like, actually someone. Yeah, someone someone you can have a relationship with. So so I hear that you guys early on in your lives, you, you accepted the Lord, but then you have experiences that continue to make Jesus more and more real for you, right? Okay. So the next thing is, you know, all of our stories have ups and downs and struggles and things we have to go through. Can you tell us a time in your life where you were struggling, where maybe it was struggling in something in your life with your family or friends or your faith? Maybe your faith was being challenged by something. Yeah, um, well, when I was younger, me and my sister didn't really get along that well, and we would fight over just about anything, um, and that was a really... A real struggle and kind of tore our relationship apart, um, but that's been getting better over the years. And uh, during that time, uh, I always kind of felt like everyone was against me. My parents uh, just felt like nobody cared, nobody really wanted to listen to me. I just I was trying to figure things out on my own, and it wasn't going well. And I didn't know what to do. Um, and then also in seventh grade, uh, I started studying other religions. And uh, kind of started to wonder, like, is Christianity really the right religion? Like, just all these questions started. How do you know that Christianity is the right one? All these other ones sound okay. So all these questions just kind of started coming up in my mind, and things were kind of spinning out of control. I didn't know what to do. And uh, I pretty much learned that trying to figure things out on my own is not the right way to go. Um, Some background. I struggle with getting stressed and overwhelmed, and when I get stressed, uh, I start to withdraw myself from God. Like, I decide that I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to, like, ask anything of him, and so I also have a sibling who I struggle with, um, and like I was saying earlier, um, there are certain expectations that we have to live up to or feel like we have to live up to, and being raised by the same people, I felt like he wasn't living up to the expectations. Um, but it's getting a lot better now. Like, um, he's following Christ and, like, all that stuff. Good. Yeah, so we have ups and downs in our stories and, and go through struggles. And it could be with siblings. It could be with, with parents or, or anything or, you know, just having questions in your heart and your mind. Let, but let's finish with this. Let's hear about a time where, where God really moved you when you were obedient to him. A time where you decided, I'm going to hand the pen over to God. 
Uh, and not only that moment you can share with us, but how about you share with us what that did to your life? How did it affect your, your growth? How did it affect your, your walk with the Lord? Yeah, um, well, excuse me. I was walking in our neighborhood a couple years back, um, uh, and I can't really remember why I was, but I felt the Lord just leading me to pray for these neighbors uh, that we have that live a couple blocks away. And uh, I just felt him leading me to lay a hand on their house and just uh, pray for them and pray for their salvation because uh, we're pretty sure that they're not Christians. And um, I just, I prayed for them and it felt, I just felt God's peace just uh, cover me and uh, it was really amazing. And then uh, starting in the fall with high school, I haven't, I've never really played sports until then. Um, I'd done, like, boys and girls club basketball or whatever, but it wasn't really, like, hardcore, everyday practice kind of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it just going through cross-country and going through swim team, uh, it's really made me trust and rely on the Lord so much more than uh, not having those times. So he puts, like, those hard times in our lives so that we can rely on him more, and then it ends up being better than what it was before. Um, so the bottom line is trusting in the Lord works so much better than not. And uh, I have this verse, Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Uh, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And that's really been um, a verse that's carried me through uh, my sports seasons and me and my mom just praying that, yeah. Um, This summer I had an opportunity to go to a place called Camp Attitude. And um, Camp Attitude is a a summer camp where uh, families with disabled children can come for a week and just relax because their disabled child and their other children get a buddy, a teenage buddy. And, like, the parents get to have a date night, maybe their only date night the rest of the year because they have, you know, these people that need a lot of care. And my buddy, her name was Sage, Uh, She had Rett syndrome, and so that means, like, she didn't have a lot of cognitive skills. Um, She she didn't understand a lot. And at one point, I was, you know, walking with her, and she decided to run. She just, like, booked it away from me. And, um, well, like, I was scared. I was like, oh, no, she's running away. What am I going to do? What if I lose her? Like, there's forest around. What if I lose her? And so I ran after her. And at one point, I finally got back up beside her, and she just started walking, and she grabbed my hand. And it was like, she, she trusted me. I could tell that she trusted me, even though she didn't understand a lot of what I was doing with her, like where her parents. Um, and that became a symbol to me of our faith. Like, a lot of the times when we're anxious, we decide to run away from God. We decide to book it as fast as we can. But really, we should be walking beside him hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks. Hey, I'm going to pray for Brody and Abby if you would like to join me here. Uh, Lord, we, we lift up Brody and Abby to you <clears throat> as living as a, as a high school student in, in this time, in this world. It, it can be tough. 
God, I, I pray that you would give them strength to look towards you. Uh, over the years, they have grown closer to you and come to know you more, and, and you've become more real to them, and, and they've gone through struggles and, and good times, Lord, and you've been with them the whole way. And I, I pray that they would continue to see that, uh, that you are their God who is going to take care of them, hold their hand through, through any situation, God. And uh, we thank you for their blessing that they've had on our lives and sharing this, their, their stories with us and, and how they have reflected who you are. Uh, God, we thank you, we love you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> hey, give them a hand. Thank you so much for sharing. <clears throat> Like I said, it's, it's great to hear these kids' stories, and, and I'm glad that you guys are here and you get to kind of see a glimpse of some of our youth, some of our middle school and high school students, but really, we can all relate to those stories. We can, we can look in our lives, look back, and see that we've gone through struggles and pain and hurt, and we've had good times and bad times, highs and lows. And, and, and it can be hard, but God is going to change us through all of those times. But what I've heard, what I heard from their stories when they were first going over them with me was, was, man, life is so much better when we decide to give our pen to our story to God, to, to let him have the complete and ultimate control of our lives. I think that we will find more joy in our stories if we hand over the pen to the, the king who created us. I mean, who better to write our stories than the one who created us in the first place? And I've experienced in my life as well times where I do give up the pen, times where I don't. Uh, and maybe it's hard when I do, and maybe I don't see joy then, but later on I can look back at those times and say, man, I'm really glad that I let God have control in that situation because I would have been I would have been in a bad spot had I not. Uh, I, I want to finish this, this passage in Luke 2. We're on verse 47. It says, And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching you, for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God. And man, I, I, summed, I want that a lot of the time. I think, I think man, how, how much better is life when, when I'm growing and learning and, and, and having stature and having relationships with people and favor with God and others. Uh, and when we are obedient, uh, God, God has these things happen to us. Being obedient causes us to grow. Being obedient... Uh, changes our hearts, makes us uh, grow closer to the one who created us. Not only in our hearts or in our minds do we grow, but we grow in relationships with people and with God. I think life is better, and I don't think life becomes perfect uh, when, when we decide to 
give everything to Jesus because that's just not realistic. Uh, but, but the bad times are better than they would have been had we not. They, they really are. And, and I know it's easy to say these things. It's easy to just tell you guys, go and be obedient. And, and what does that mean? How do I, how, how do I show God obedience? And, and a couple of things came to my mind as I thought of this. And, and the first thing is, is that obedience means surrendering our hearts. Obedience means surrendering our hearts. And, and that is something that really takes humility, as most of us know. Because most of us are taught all our lives to never surrender, to never give up. I mean, that, that's what a lot of parents, that's what my parents taught me. No, don't give up in life. Don't, don't surrender. But in this case, God is saying, you need to give up. Stop fighting so hard. Just give me your heart. Surrender your heart to me. And, and I'm a pretty competitive person, and I like to play a lot of different games. We've been playing pickleball over the last six months in the gym. It's a lot of fun with Scott and some guys in the church. And, and there was this kid that I played ping pong against in high school that he was so much better than I was at ping pong. And have you ever been competing in something, and you wanted to win so bad, you never wanted to give up, but you knew the other person was just going to keep beating you? Keep winning. And that's what happened with me and my friend. We would play ping pong, and we'd go back, back and forth. But he would always just whoop on me. It, it, was, it was awful. But I would always say, okay, best two out of three. Let's go. And then he'd beat me. And then and best, best three out of five. And then he'd kick my butt again. It was just, it was just over and over again he would beat me. And, and my overconfidence in myself was really blinding me uh, to, to what was true, which was that I was never going to beat Riley at ping pong. He was just, he was just better than me. And, and that's what we do with God sometimes. That's, that's what we say. We know that God's better than us. We know that his plan and his story for our lives is better than ours. But in our life, we, we decide, no, I'm, I'm going to try my hardest to, to, to get what I want. I'm going to try my hardest to make my story what I want it to be. And, and we fight so hard, and, and really it just takes surrendering our hearts. And that's kind of part one. Uh, the, the second thing I thought of was that obedience means submitting to our king's authority. Submitting to our king's authority. And I know that's a hard word, submit. That, that takes humility as well. Uh, but but we, every king has an authority over their kingdom. And, and, and to be obedient, we must submit our lives to God. This means that after we've decided to wave the white flag and say, Okay, God, you win. Go, go, go ahead. Do, you know, I give my heart to you. We don't just become some prisoner of God. We, we don't just become some slave. We become a servant that wants to obey him, that, that desires to obey God. We say, God, I don't only give you my heart, but I give you my life. I want you to be the author of my life. John 14, 23 says this. It says, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And in some other translations, it says, He will obey me. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus says, If anyone loves me, he will obey me. Uh, Jesus has poured out this great love into our lives, into our hearts. And he's asked us to respond by loving him back. And the way he says to do that uh, is to obey him and to listen to him. That, if you ever wonder, how do I show Jesus that I love him? Just 
obey him and that will show him. Follow this story that was already written out for us. That's the great part is this story has already been written. It's already here for us to follow. He's, he's made the path. He's, he, he's made uh, this path for us to follow. And I don't think we obey just to, you know, oh, if I can do this many things, maybe God will love me more. No, I think we are obedient in response to God's love, not in order to earn it. We are obedient in response to his love. We don't, we don't obey to earn God's love because that would just not make any sense. God cannot love us any more or any less than he already does. And we could do everything we could, and, and it wouldn't change that. But because he's done that, because he's always loved us, and that will never change, we should want to obey him in response to his love. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, you can write this in your notes too. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is not a result of works so that, so that no one may boast. Yeah, we are saved by God's grace. We are not saved by anything that we can do. We are saved by what he's already done. In Galatians 2, 21, one of my favorite scriptures, uh, says, I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for nothing. I, I don't want to be the guy that says, I don't need you, Jesus. I don't want to be the guy that says, uh, I can do it on my own. Because if I say that, I'm, I'm saying that Christ went to the cross for nothing. We need Jesus for, for all of this to work. For, for us to be obedient, we need him. And, and we are obedient to him because he was obedient to his father first. And he set an example for us. And he lived a perfect life. He went to the cross and he gave it all. He gave up everything for his father to complete this story, to, to lock it in. And I'm sure he struggled. It's like you have, you know, he has that time, that conversation with his father. It's, uh, God, does it have to be this way? Uh, and I heard a comedian once say, talking, talking about that, and he said, he said, I wonder if Jesus was just like, hey, God, like this whole dying on the cross thing, can we just do a fundraiser instead or, or something? Like, is there any other way? And, and father says, no, this, this is the way it has to be done. And Jesus was obedient. And he went and obeyed his father on the cross. And as the worship team comes up, I just want to leave you with encouragement. I want to encourage you to be a part of his story and not the writer of your own. It is so easy for us to just take the pen back from God and say, this is my story to write now. And we'll struggle with it and we'll do it. But I want you to think about the times or the areas of your life where, where you need to say, God, here, here's the pen. I, I've taken too much control over this and, and I really need you. Uh, I encourage you to let God be the author of your life because he is a perfect author. Let me pray uh, for us and then we'll worship together. Father, you, you are perfect and you've, you've done all these things for us and loved us and cared for us and, and watched over us. And as I hear these kids' stories, uh, it, it is just an example of, of your love and, and how much better life is with you and what uh, you do with us in our hearts and cause us to grow. 
Uh, so God, I pray for each and every heart in this room that, that, that we would crave you, that we would be captivated by you when we encounter you. That, Lord, when we see you, we would be amazed and we would want to learn and grow and, and give you the pen to our stories. Uh, God, we thank you for everything that you've done for us. We love you and we pray these things in your name. Amen.